Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am Jean Jano Joseph. I'm an Episcopal priest working in uh, the Diocese of Haiti. In my parish, we have, I have 18 churches and uh, 15 schools attached. Because the reality in Haiti, the first black American priest who had mission, missionary in Haiti opened uh, this church and uh, he said everywhere we have church, we have also school because he wanted to make sure the people, the students of Haiti had, had good, good education. So that's why everywhere in Haiti, where we have Episcopal Church, we have also school. We have school. So in my, we have a lack of uh, priests working in this diocese because of uh, economic situation. So in my parish, I'm working only, the only priest in the, that parish, and I have 18 churches and 15 schools. We have three, three other schools we're supposed to open uh, when any time is possible. And uh, I'm working also as Archdeacon for the Central Plateau of Haiti. Uh, that means the Archdeacon is a supervisor of the Episcopal Church in the in this area, the central plateau of Haiti. Tell us a little bit about St. Andre School. Uh, how many students are there and some of the needs that are there in St. Andre School. Okay. St. Andre School, I have to tell you also, St. Andre, the school of St. Andre is uh, in the small locality between before you got me the, the city, the big city where I have the rectory, St. Pierre's Parish. So, uh, we, we got Triano, Triano before Mirbale. And uh, St. Andre is the first Episcopal church in all the central plant. That means it is the, the, where the Episcopal church got in uh, 1861, one bishop, Theodore Holy, James Theodore Holy, uh, went to Haiti, opened this church. Triano was the only place, the first place where Episcopal Church uh, be in the Central Plateau. And unfortunately, uh, Saint Andre is facing many difficulties from. Here and uh, we have now, since two years, uh, ten years ago, when the group Serena group Serena Bix, uh, our friend Denise, uh, Gwen, of ladies, friend of Perjano and friend of Haiti, they get there and. Uh, we point, point them to Triano, Saint Andre, to help this call. 
the school of Triano has 150 students and uh, he has uh, he has the preschool we have preschool and uh, first and second uh, cycle fundamental that means elementary school until sixth grade until sixth grade first to sixth grade yeah okay what are some of the needs right now in uh the St. Andre's School. I know we helped with the latrine. Um, tell us a little bit about what else can be done over there. Okay. First of all, I would like to thank you uh, for your help. Uh, you know, right after the earthquake in uh, January 2010, we had at the September, at the end of the year, we were facing to the sickness, cholera. We never know that sick before. And uh, unfortunately, uh, cholera comes the same year after the earthquake. So it was very bad. It was very, we, we even think it was a punishment of God. <laughs> but we know our God is good. He, he will never uh, destroy or make his people in trouble, in suffering, like that after an earthquake and has this violent sick on, on us. And uh, I want to tell you, to thank you for your generous gift to St. André because the, the first priority, the first need we need at that time was to take care of uh, the people to have latrines and also good um, uh, good water, good water for them. And uh, when I try, I write all my the partners who support uh, some schools, church for me in my parish. And I I was very happy to know that uh, your church, Genesis decide to support, to build a latrine, a latrine for the people of Triana. And I am very grateful to you for that. Because without knowing that, you save the life of many people in Haiti, especially in Triano, where every day we have people die from cholera. Every day, but now we can say uh, we uh, we uh, almost we don't have a cholera uh, strong this sickness in Haiti is still there, but very few people have cholera in Haiti. In Triano, we don't have people sick uh, by cholera. Thanks to you, and I would ask you to applaud you for that. Thank you very much. And uh, as Sam said, uh, we have many, many other needs. And like you can see that on the board, uh, when we make, even we don't have a feeding program for the kids in Triano, but Anytime we can do something, uh, we want to make food for them 
not every day because we don't have possibility for that. But anyway, anytime we can do something uh, for St. Andre Feast or any other active church activities we have, we don't have a place to, to prepare food for the people. And uh, you, you have seen this uh, picture of what we have like, like kitchen uh, in Triano. So it's, uh, we would like to build a, a cafeteria close to the kitchen so we can have a good place to prepare food for the kids and at the same time uh, keep them, the children, in a good place to sit down and eat normally as people, as human beings, as children of God. How much do you think that facility would cost to build that facility? I think for the kitchen, the cafeteria, the cafeteria, it would be about about twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand, about. Uh, you know, uh, construction in Haiti is uh, really difficult. Materials are expensive. Even uh, the country is uh, poor economically. But uh, uh, sometimes, you know, we are not ourselves. We can decide the price ourselves. The price is up and down, up and down. We can make uh, an estimation now and next week it's up, up. And in Haiti, we said only uh, only flag goes and down, nothing else. Only flag goes up and and down, but price, any other things, never goes up and back, up and down after. <laughs> we understand that. <laughs> You know, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to talk to Jeannot, but I would like you to share uh, your story, what happened during the earthquake regarding you and your family. Uh, That time, I know that's a touching story. Could you share with people what happened when the earthquake took place? Yeah. I think uh, the earthquake is a really bad souvenir for us in Haiti. You know... About 350,000 people left, uh, lost their life. Uh, about 1 million people lost their home. Uh, and until now, we can recover from that uh, situation. So uh, every everybody in Haiti has in her own story about the earthquake, and I have mine. Uh, this day, I was in Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince, the capital, the city, the main city in Haiti. I was in Port-au-Prince for a meeting um, in the seminar. And uh, at that time, my family was living in Port-au-Prince. And after the meeting, I decided to just go visit them and go back to Mirbalais 
Uh, because I have a group of friends, American friends, who visit at that time in Haiti. And uh, when I got home, I see them, the children, my wife. Uh, I can tell you I have three, three children, and my wife and three children. Uh, the first one is Crystal. Denise know them well. <laughs> Crystal, she's nine. I have uh, Olivier. Olivier, he's, a, he's uh, seven. And Alija, uh, she's four and a half. Uh, for the earthquake, Chris, uh, Alija has only about one year. One year. And when I spent home to, to see them, Olivier, my son, he was very sad. He, I want to live, but he, he, he said no, and he's crying, he's crying, crying. I said, why you do that, Olivier? You never do that. He said, he cries, cries, cries. And I tried three times to leave and refuse, and he refused me to go. And uh, finally, I had, I have the group in Mirbalet. I decided to go. And I go, and on the road, I call my wife to ask, how is Olivier? He was so sad when I leave. How is him? He, she said, he's sleeping. She's, he's sleeping. And I said, okay, good. I go. And uh, a few minutes after talking to her, uh, I was on the road. Maybe Sam knows this place where people sell food, on the road when you go, and when you leave the mountain, the big hill, and uh, where many people sell food uh, to, uh, to the travelers. And uh, when I got there, I was so tired, I stopped a little wash uh, to buy a bottle of water to wash my face before continuing the road. And I just opened the car and the land start to shake, shake, shake with me. I say, what's going on? I, I can't understand. And I see many people crying everywhere. And uh, I see the, like the hill come to me. And now I understand it's, it's an earthquake. Even it's the first time I say that. And, but uh, finally I realize it's, it's an earthquake. And I tried to call my wife. I take the word again. I took the word back. They continue my word to Mirbale. And I call my wife. I can't find her. No telephone. Work. Uh, so I try, try, try again. I can't find her. And when I got Mirbale, I see many people on the street uh, talking about uh, the, the earthquake. And I find my people, my friends, American friends who were there. We talk about that, and uh, and I heard someone say, "Hi, Port-au-Prince is completely destroyed." I say, "What?" And I take my car again. It was it was about nine at that time, and I take my my car and come back again to Port-au-Prince, and I got Port-au-Prince about eleven, very late this night. And uh, on the road, uh, in, in the street in Port-au-Prince, I see people 
here, left and right, people die, uh, people hurted. If you everybody left their house, everybody staying in the street, uh, crying, crying, like a big cry. Everybody, all the part of all part of my city, and. Uh, Finally, I don't find place to, to continue to drive, and I left my car and uh, work. I work, I work, work, work uh, for about another two hours to get my house, and it's something I can't do in normal normal time to work and to to take mountain to ride mountain like that. I can't do that in normal time. If you if if someone asked me to do that, now I can't do that. But that day I was so uh, um, envy to see my family. Where is people because so many people die on at the on the street. House down, big house down, the, the palace, national palace, all the public building down everywhere people die and uh, when I got uh, I was living in an apartment building in Port-au-Prince with my family and when I went there I see the the big apartment down and but not really down but the first floor the first floor get get in, in, the, in the ground I don't see the first floor, and it was there was people living in, and uh, we were living in the third, the third floor, and I tried to get up to see if I can find my family, and when I get inside, it was very dangerous, because the land continued to shake, shake, and the house can continue to down with me, but I did it. Think nothing. I just want to see to see my family. And when I get uh, in, I don't see them. I don't find them. You can de- guess. You can already imagine uh, what what happened in my mind. I was. I don't know exactly what to do. I I have someone, a friend, with me. Uh, we were disappointed. I don't know what to do exactly. And uh, finally, I saw a man happen. I asked him to go to the police station. There is a police station nearby. I said, go there to see if you see my family, my wife there with the children. And he went to see. And uh, finally, he, he saw my wife. And he said, he said, Aline, Aline, Perjano is looking for you. And she said, where is he? Because she knows I was in Mirbalé. She said, where, where is he? And she comes. But I, I saw her. I was very happy. But I, I don't want to ask her. I was fear to ask for my children, to, see, to ask for the children. I don't know exactly what to do. And I... Uh, I hug, hug her, 
But um, I say, where are the ch- children? She said, they are here. I said, oh, bless to God. I was very fortunate. Uh, and God was, was there for me at the time. And I know he was there for all other people at the time. Because we are a lot of people, all complete, all the family goes away. And the, the very sad remembrance I have of the earthquake is to see many children. Because they, people bring children to the police station. They all lie on the on the land, on the ground, and uh, I see them die on my eyes. They take them from the from the big concrete, and they they can't survive. They were almost many of them die. Uh, it was very sick, and we spent the night with the children in hands. We kept, kept them. And uh, I remember that night, uh, Olivier, uh, the, Alicia, the, the last one, the, the, my daughter, the last one, she, she has just one year. And uh, she doesn't, we didn't have milk for her. And uh, there is a, a, a police Man, a policeman come to us and give us some milk for her, and uh, we didn't have we didn't have uh, a, 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 a a bottle for her. We take a sheet of a sheet of paper down to put uh, the milk for her for her that night, and uh, we can't find. Any place to buy food or anything for them for the, this night. It was, I remember, until now, this sound stay in my mind. I always consider that like a, you see when the choir sings. And every, every, every 15 minutes, the lead shake. And it like like a, a big choir, all Puerto Prince cry, Jesus save us. All Puerto Prince, it's like a rehearsal. I th- I didn't know who teach us the, the, the message that day, but all Puerto Prince was like a choir. Everybody say Jesus together. Every fifteen minutes, the 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 land, the the, the continue to shake. And uh, early tomorrow, on 11, we take the word, work for another three hours with the children on our arms to go until where we have the car and to come back in Mirabale. On the way back, we saw, I remember Christelle, the first one, she can't see what we have on the street many people died dead everywhere so it it was very very sad it was uh, really uh, very a difficult time for us but 
God's, God was there anyway. Those who go back, who die, they, we hope God receive them in his kingdom. And uh, who we still living, we fight. We fight for life. We fight. I am here to fight for those people also. I'm here to fight, to look for help, look for support from people like you who knows God, who knows, uh, as we sing in this song, love, love is all. The re- God religion is love. God religion is love. That's why I'm here this morning. No barrier between us as Christians. We are all God Christian, God children. And we have a long road to do, to, to do together. And we need to do this road hand in hand with love. And we are sure we can meet our God someday, um, to where we won't have sufferings. Um, we won't have dead, but eternal life. Thank you, Gino. I, I wanted you guys to hear. Wanted you to hear the human story behind what's taking place. You know, it's easy to think of things that happen but not feel the impact. And so Gino was there, felt the impact. And so we're going to have again a 15-minute party. Talk to Janot, welcome him, love on him, and then Alex is going to come back up in 15 minutes with one song, and then we're going to go through some things that we're going to share with you guys. But um, thank you, Janot, for being a part of our gathering here again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, guys, say hello to each other. There's great treats out there. Enjoy this time. We're going to have a a short video uh, talking a little bit about some of the things about Haiti and some things that are going on, so uh, roll them. I hate talking about money, so I just made a video. That way I wouldn't have to be up here and actually talk again, but I'm going to. Um, You know, Denise, you have a coffee problem, it seems. (laughs) Yeah. Thing is, I know I drink more than you. That's the the thing I'm dealing with. Okay, let's let's take a moment and pray. God, once again, uh, we stand before you, ears open, hearts open, wanting to not hear from me, wanting to hear from you. And so as we look at some scripture and as we talk, may your voice be clear. We ask it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been talking and discussing Haiti, we're going to pause from our series on reality check and just take a few minutes to share a few more things with you. So if you have your Bibles, open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I'm going to start reading just for time's sake. 
Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So it's not the Corinthian churches. He's talking about the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So, You who are in Corinth, I want to tell you about those who are in Macedonia. It was through a severe trial that we saw tremendous joy overflowing. And even in their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. You see, one thing we need to recognize about generosity, generosity is not a product of wealth. Generosity doesn't come from how much you have. Generosity is a product of your heart's values. And so even people who were impoverished were generous because it was the posture of their heart. And so Paul is commending this church that even though they were in this severe trial, that their posture was still one of generosity. Verse 3, it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Underline that. Okay? Nothing that we do here, I, I, do I want it to come across as we are pressuring you. What we are is presenting to you, but this is entirely on your own. And it was entirely on their own. That's what made it, again, generous. It was their posture. Verse 4, it says, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That strikes me. They pleaded with us, please let us help. What a Mindset and trying to imagine this people who are impoverished, people who are going through severe difficulties and trouble, plead with Paul, please let us contribute to this work. Verse 5 And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us also. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And so Paul uses the Macedonian church as an example. They pleaded with us to be a part of this work for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Why? Why did they want to? Think about it. We get to sit back years later and Read the writings of Paul and and see all the things that Paul did. The churches that he started throughout all of Asia, taking the gospel to the Gentile people. We are benefiting the work that Paul did and Paul is contributing his work to this church in Macedonia that they were impoverished but they did what they could 
and they gave abundantly even in their lack. And so we saw grace, the grace of God in their giving. This small group of impoverished people are responsible for what we are doing here today. And they gave out of what they had. It's an amazing thing to to try and follow the trail of, of how God works and connecting the dots. I'm standing here because of generosity of people. And I've shared my story before, how there were times when I lost my job and position and I wasn't sure what to do. And I'm thinking, well, okay, this is it. I, maybe I'll, I'll start just dog training, which I am. And then, you know, maybe that, I'll step down from ministry and maybe we'll, we'll move because I don't know if we're going to be able to keep the house. And I can remember getting letters saying with a check in it and saying, I just wanted to thank you for the contribution you've made to my life and I just felt led to give this to you. And I don't know where you're at and what's going on, but I hope it helps. And Corrine and I would take it and open the letter and it would be enough money to help us get through that week, to get through that month. And, you know, it's always difficult. I don't like being the the one who has to benefit from someone else's charity. But man, was it welcome. And, and we would sit there and, and we would just weep and we would thank God and we would thank these people who took it upon themselves to contribute to us in this time that we had. And so I'm here because of the generosity of other people. And it's important that we recognize the impact that that generosity makes. I'm going to have you turn to one other passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Solomon writes, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it many days after. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. That's like, yeah, of course. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And what Solomon is saying here sounds obvious, but there is a reason to the things that happen. That they don't just happen for no reason, that they happen for a reason. And when the tree falls, that's where it is. Why is it there? Because that's where it fell. Cast your bread on the water. Now that always, I remember hearing some song and I always thought that's the weirdest thing. You know, cast your bread on the water for then, you know, many days after you'll find it. Have you ever casted bread on the water and went to look for it? It ain't there. It doesn't just float and stay there on the water. And even if it did, I wouldn't want it. Soggy bread. And and I'm not a a fisher person. But from my understanding, 
what takes place is if you start supplying food to an area, if you put bread and the fish start coming to that place, pretty soon the fish develop a mentality, there is food in this location. And so what you're doing is putting something with the hope of someday later on being able to go and catch fish in this area because you started sowing and putting this bread on the water. Now, you won't catch the fish that even eat the bread. You're going to catch their buddies. Fish have buddies, right? They go to schools. So... (laughs) And so what you're doing is planning for the future. How? By giving. Giving the fish food, and they will later feed you. And he says, give seven or even eight times. In other words, the more generous you are, the more it gets to come back to you. And in the contrast is those who observe the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you just sit there and watch life go by, you get nothing out of it. But if you actually cast the bread on the water, you get something back. You see, it is never about just giving. It is always about people. One of the things that we have tried to do and that has been important to me at, in Genesis is to care about the world around us and not just care about ourselves. And so we have made it our agenda to give and to support, whether it's in Haiti, whether it's in Mexico, or even in the community around us, Foothill Family Shelter or Healthy Start, to be involved in giving. And you see, we could have saved that money. We could have taken that money and put it in the bank and maybe started uh, get a, a building fund and we could have a building. You know, I know people who have left our community because we don't have the facility for children like other churches do. And, and I got you know, sometimes I sit there and I go, ah, maybe we should take some money and, and we can put it towards a building. And there's nothing wrong with that if we had enough money to do both, but I'm not going to stop casting the bread on the water. We're not going to stop caring about the world around us because if we lose that, we lose everything. We, we lose our identity as being people who are generous. And you see, one day, it's going to come back. One day, it, it will show up in the life of someone else. One day it'll show up in that person who you never thought could be touched with the gospel, but they were. And that's where we're going to keep throwing the bread. And we're going to keep putting ourselves in areas where we can contribute. You know, who would think by building a a latrine you could save lives? But you can. Who would think that by giving you could touch so many people? But you can. I want to read to you 
an email that I got about a year ago. It said, Dear Sam, I found your message today to be just what I needed. Take note. (laughs) I am tired and discouraged and felt close to abandoning efforts for the nonprofit. Not because God isn't leading and directing, but because I really want to isolate myself, play more than work, and leave the do-good stuff to someone else. Through you, God reminded me that not only is he more than sufficient, but that this is what I am called to as a believer. My witness in the face of discouragement speaks more about Christ than any amount of finances raised. Being involved in loving others, especially those who do not yet know their shepherd, speaks volumes to non-believers and believers alike. And most importantly, it is obedience to the God we serve in his call to mission. The ministry of transferring all that Christ is to the world around us, I like that and I am encouraged. Thank you for your faithfulness in connecting us to our mission and to him who supplies our every need. Now, I'm not reading this to tell you, yeah, see, I spoke really well at least once. I'm telling you that because of someone else, I was here speaking. And because of someone else, that ability to talk touched someone else. And because of this person being touched, they are going to touch someone else. And this is a good infection that can spread like a fire throughout our community and throughout the world if we would care and make the difference. I don't want anyone to feel that I am pressuring you to give, but I want you to feel the pressure of what it means to be a person who represents Jesus, who gave himself. And though he were rich, yet he became poor. If you sow sparingly, you you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. Oh, you might not get a penny back, but what you will get is of such great value. Here's the challenge. Who are we going to be? You know, we got a small community. Like I said in, in the video, we have about 200 people if everyone came at the same time. We got about 25 or so down at a family camp today. That's fine. They can't be here. Losers. No. (laughs) Just saying that because I couldn't be there. I'm jealous. So if we all just did the little we could do, we could make a huge difference. And wouldn't it just blow your mind to see a small community raise $20,000 and build a cafeteria in Haiti. I get excited thinking about that, okay? Because I don't have $20,000. But I do have $20 a month that I could put in. I do have enough to make that contribution. And here's what I'm going to do. And I feel the need to do this just so you know my commitment for every dollar I spend in coffee, 
<laughs> I'm going to match that in what I give each month to Haiti. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll see me barefoot next week. I got no more money. <laughs> Something's got to give the coffee. <laughs> That's, that's my pledge to you and, and to this work. And I'm challenging you. Remember, generosity is a condition of the heart. There, you know, I'd love to have our own building. I'd love to have a facility for the kids. You know, we talked about what can we do to make this not look like a school? Nothing. You know, <laughs> we got horseshoes on the wall. We got slogans that, you know... Go Mustangs, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot we're going to do to change this. It'd be great to have, I mean, we can do more, I'm sure, but we can change the world around us. And so let's, let's. Again, you know, we are supported by the community. The things that we give keep us paying the rent and doing the things that we do. Um, Ted talked about that. You can put the tithes offerings in the barrel or online our online uh, offering has increased since we've allowed that. Today, what we're also going to do, anything you put in there that says for Haiti will go directly towards the cafeteria. And we're going to keep you informed with how much money we have raised for this cafeteria. Also, Denise is able, through her organization for a reason, FAR, to take a credit card if you want to give with a credit card, and everything that you give to FAR is going to go directly towards the cafeteria in Haiti today. And we're working to get our own system up and running so that we can take credit cards here as well, because that's how I buy my coffee. Actually, I have an app, and it just they just ding, and it makes it real easy, and it even self-loads. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad, you guys. And so, this is an opportunity for us to be like the Macedonians. And I would love for Jesus to say, oh, you know, even though it was difficult, they did more than was expected. And they pleaded with me, please can I be a part of this work? Because we are a part of something much bigger than us. And we are casting bread on the water because one day there's going to be fish there. One day we're going to get the benefit of that. And actually you start to get the benefit by it changing you. I love what it says about them. I mean, it struck me as so interesting, this dynamic. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. When do you see those two together? Does that happen in your life? Man, I have such joy. Man, I got no money. And it was in this condition of extreme joy and poverty that they welled up in rich generosity. See, that's a testament to character. That's a testament to character. And that's what I want us to be, a testament to the character of God and Jesus Christ in us. So here's the challenge. $20 a month for Haiti. We still need your contribution to keep the lights on. But $20 a month, and if you want to do more, we're not going to tell you no. If you plead with me, please, Sam, can I give more? Okay. <laughs> but if each of us gave $20 a month, 
for the next six months. Bam. And I'd love to stand up here and show slides not of just the latrine. I think it's kind of cool that we built some toilets. <laughs> but I'd love to stand up and show the pictures of the cafeteria. Say, look what you did. Look what we did. So let's do it. And let's do all that we can. Let's stand up and pray. You're ahead of the game, Alex. God, we are grateful for the blessings (laughs) and the clappings and the challenge that you put before us to be a generous people a people who are rich in generosity, that that we'd be rich in the grace of giving and that we'd make a difference in the world around us. Lord, we dedicate ourselves and all that we have to you. Lord, help us make a difference in the world. For we are your people and we do it in your name, Jesus. Amen.